Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Randy Ostra to the podcast. He's the president and CEO at ProMedica Health System, overseeing the not-for-profit mission-based integrated healthcare organization headquartered in Toledo, Ohio. Prior to this role, he served as president and chief operating officer. Ustra is regarded as one of the nation's top leaders in healthcare and has earned a spot on several prestigious listings, which include Modern Healthcare's 100 Most Influential People in Healthcare and one of Becker's Healthcare's 100 Great Leaders in Healthcare. He also served in the American Heart Association's Pulse of Toledo. He received the award in 2018. He has a strong commitment to the healthcare industry and community and serves on the board of trustees of many organizations, including the American Hospital Association Health Research and Education Trust, the Root Cause Coalition, and many more. His work in the in the healthcare system has brought about much needed change to improve health care of communities. And it's with that privilege that I also discussed that he he received a doctorate in management from Case Western Reserve University, a master's degree in healthcare administration from University of Minnesota, and also a master's degree in management from the University of Wisconsin. So with that, those credentials, as well as experience, he's been able to do what he's been able to do. And I'm excited to dive into that expertise with Randy today. So Randy, with that introduction, I just want to welcome you to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. So great to uh, be with you today. It's a privilege to have you here, uh, Randy. And so what did I miss in the intro that maybe you want the listeners to know about you and, and what you do? Yeah, you know, you, you listen to the intro, it like, sounds like somebody that went to school their whole life, you know, couldn't figure out uh, what they wanted to do in life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think the, uh, um, you know, I grew up in a very small town in Iowa and uh, spent a fair amount of time early on in my career uh, working in small hospitals across the Midwest, including public health service hospitals. And what's interesting about that, I think, uh, just as we kind of reflect back on kind of where we've been in healthcare and where we're going, in a lot of ways, we're going back to where we came from, and that's delivering more care, kind of a, a home, home setting with care integrated back into people's lives. And I think it's what we all want. So I think it's just interesting to think through that a little bit. I think just as I think of my own career kind of almost going back to where we all started from 30 years ago, that a lot of the things we moved away from, we're moving backwards. That's really interesting, Randy. And I'd love to dive into that a little bit deeper. One of the things that comes to mind is the book by Atul Gawande on being mortal. And he talks about this shift, right? The paradigm shift of everything from the home, right? Folks were just, you know, choosing to do end of life at home and care at home. And it shifted to today to kind of everything at the hospital. Now you're seeing that shift again. So I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by hearing your thoughts there. What is it that just made you decide to get into the healthcare sector? Actually, uh, my parents really didn't have the luxury of having any education. You know, my uh, mom was an immigrant. My parents were both older children and uh, were required to work. And so uh, they were very, um, you know, focused on education. And it's actually an advisor in the small college I went to that uh, steered me toward the sciences. And that ended up kind of morphing from being an education to along the way I had to, uh, in between one of my graduate school stints, I 
got a job, got a job in a small consulting group doing a lot of healthcare, and that really evolved to a, a career in healthcare. And uh, so spent you know the last um, almost 40 years uh, doing healthcare, and then along the way, my wife and I, when we were 30, quit our jobs and went back to school at the University of Minnesota and started over and did kind of a traditional healthcare administration role. And, uh, you know, had no goals at that point outside of I was traveling. I didn't want to travel. And uh, but knew I uh, was very impressed with the people I met in healthcare. And so starting from that premise, it's evolved throughout you know, the last 30 years, 30, 40 years to, you know, think in terms of some of those interesting enough, those early experiences I had in my 20s. Well, I think it's fascinating the way that meandering road brought you to healthcare, and it's a good thing that it did. You guys are making a big impact. Folks, uh, for the, those listening, ProMedica is a health system serving communities in 28 states. They have over 4.7 million patient encounters, 13 hospitals, over 56,000 employees. So the work being done there by Randy and team is, is highly impactful. Randy, what would you say is, is a hot topic? that needs to be on every health leader's agenda today, and how are you and your organization approaching it? Well, I think the biggest issue, and it's the issue that's probably not talked about enough, is this whole idea, what's the future model of healthcare? We know healthcare is unaffordable. We, you know, we start to read about statistics about healthcare, you know, very quickly getting to 20% of the gross domestic product. We start talking about giving Medicare uh, for all and, and actually expanding the current program. And then we all talk about that the current model is not working, it's unaffordable, the tremendous impact that it has on people in their lives and the, the, the impact on seniors, what it's doing to people uh, relative to the middle class. And yet then we talk about expanding it. And uh, I think the biggest issue that we're not talking about is what is this new model? And, you know, you think you can put a, a flag in the, in the ground for whatever date you want, 15, 20 years from now. Because the trajectory for healthcare is, is just going to, uh, cost going to continue to increase. We're going to continue to see um, small hospitals get closed. We're going to continue to see, you know, a shift toward consumerism and all those hot topics. But what we haven't talked about is this fundamental shift in the model. And I think that's the thing that we would say that we need to embrace and have some discussions about. Very political sensitive, politically sensitive, very, um, you know, not popular with a lot of industry types and in that trying to preserve what we have. And yet, clearly, we need a different model. That's a great call out. And you guys come from a very unique position and in, in, in also having an integrated health system with Paramount in the work that you're doing there. So what does that look like? You know, I mean, if you, if you had to picture 5, 10, 15 years from now, Randy, what does that new model look like? Do you even have um, any ideas that what, what you think might work? Yeah, you know, so um, just in our thinking, and um, I think it's, something that's evolved over a period of time. I'd love to say, you know, we thought this was going to happen. It's just rather be maybe lucky than good, we'll find out. But, you know, we started out as a very traditional uh, healthcare system. We, you know, our pride and joy was that we were a local, regional, integrated delivery system. That's how we described ourselves. We had hospitals, we employed physicians, and we had a health plan. And um, we're very proud of that fact. And we served a specific geographical area. And then over a period of time, a couple things happened. You begin to think about the future of healthcare and the things we already talked about. You think about how to position yourself in the future. And for a lot of America, we're in non-growth areas. Of course, the market we serve is in a very non-growth area. You think about kind of having the right scale and scope to provide the resources that you need to continue to you know, 
future, there's probably some debate about what size that would be. And then the other part, just when you kind of at a fundamental level, think about the impact on people, the fact that, you know, how expensive American healthcare is, the results we get from the American healthcare system, and again, comparing those to other countries, just, of course, the affordability issue. Also, you know, the, the waste that's in the system, the system, the fact that, you know, we have a very specialist-based system and that we don't spend enough money on a lot of the social issues in our country. And so a couple of things happen for us because, you know, we serve a, a region that, you know, like a lot of regions in our country have social issues. We became very concerned about those issues and our role in those issues. A lot of people use the word anchor institution. And so we became very interested in obesity as kind of a, you know, kind of a public health issue that really kind of quickly drew us into hunger. And long story, but we screen for food insecurity. We've done it for probably over eight years now. We've screened millions of encounters. And now we screen for 10 social determinants and everything you read about in healthcare and person's health is 20% of your health is related to what we do in healthcare and 80% is related to other stuff. And it's these social determinants of health that are more critically important in people's lives than anything else. So you take that, the unaffordability of healthcare, aging, and what you come back to is a model of, of not thinking of yourself as this integrated delivery system, but now we actually have begun to call ourselves a health and well-being company. And I never thought I'd say those words. And <laughs> it's like, how do we begin to deliver services, not as a traditional inpatient provider where everybody is viewed as a patient, but it's more of a taking an individual and trying to create, I hate this word, but it's this kind of ecosystem of healthcare to try to meet people's needs in a variety of ways. And so I think we've kind of thought differently. And so our, our way to grow and, and really think differently is we moved into the space that a lot of people frowned upon. It's this post-hospital space, post-acute space. And so we very quickly increased the size of our company. But when you take those aspects, the clinical aspects, the insurance aspects, and what insurance organizations are able to do, the social determinants, and then this notion about healthy aging, which is the topic in a lot of people's uh, minds these days, and you begin to think of all that, it's just a much more comprehensive look and for us, we think that's kind of the right model for the future. That is fascinating. Gosh, you know, this this idea of a health and well-being company. One of the things that as we talk to people in the healthcare system, talking about value-based care and some of the challenges of reimbursement, not covering these things, very forward thinking to do things such as social determinants of health screening. Something caught my eye that I think is really neat and kind of goes along with the health and well-being company. You guys have a ProMedica summer concert series. Yes. So, you know, um, there's this concept called Anchor Institutions that if uh -huh. your listeners uh, have ever looked at the HAN, the uh, Healthcare Anchor Network. So the idea around Anchor Institutions is this notion of, you know, um, traditionally they are nonprofit organizations, but they're anchored in place. And that usually means that they're organizations that can't be moved. So today, you know, if it's a gloomy day in Ohio and I want to move to Florida, we can't pick up and move Prometica to Florida. Yeah. So we're anchored here. And then if you look at, you know, we, our shareholders are our community. We work for the community. And so why wouldn't we begin to use our resources to make investments back in our community? So yes. 
we're in the process of moving several thousand of our employees into the city in uh, Toledo. We've got a thousand so far. We've got another thousand we're moving. And we have done a whole variety of initiatives, these anchor institution sort of investments that make our community better. So just a couple quick examples. A couple doors down from us was a bankrupt hotel that we purchased out of bankruptcy because um, it was going to go back in bankruptcy and it was an eyesore. It was getting run down. We're able to buy it. We were able to find a developer from Chicago to take it. Today, it's a Marriott Renaissance that gets lots of accolades, and we got our money back. And we have probably done that probably on, a, I'll say, a dozen different occasions. It could go through a whole laundry list where we've used our money, and our, and our drive is just to begin our money back and to help spur development, economic development, job growth. And again, that's just great for our community. It's great for people. It's actually great for our business model, too, because, you know, growing communities need help. And so when you begin to read about different organizations that have done these anchor network strategies, Kaiser is a good example in housing, Rush in Chicago, a university in Cleveland. There's a variety of these organizations that have done these investments. So even like a summer concert series, uh, creating a way to get people back into the city, creating. So uh, we're the major sponsor of that. We've gotten others to sponsor it with us. And it's, again, doing some of these things to try to drive development. And there's another concept called placemaking. And if you create these vibrant places for people to want to live, it's yes. great for their overall health and well-being. Fascinating. Randy, this is really inspiring work. The things that happen in and around the community, uplifting the spirit of, of the community through development and, and economic development. It just makes so much sense. Give us an example. Obviously, these are ways you guys have created results. Uh, is there anything in particular that stands out that you want to share of you're doing it differently and you created this result? Well, I, you know, I take a, we took a bankrupt, empty, rundown hotel and was able to flip into a Marriott Renaissance. We're sitting on a river here in Toledo, across the river from us. Uh, we were able to buy some property from an international owner. Today, it's being developed into, uh, I think it's about a 50-acre metro park, and another development where uh, an out-of-town developer is building uh, several hundred apartments, and, uh, and it's actually being constructed as we speak. And so some of those sort of very tangible, I mean, it creates all the type of things that you would think about, in this case, a hotel that creates economic development uh, is best in a whole variety of ways for our community. New housing, new retail, new parks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those sort of things. I have to tell you, not everyone loves that idea. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of times people will say, well, why are we doing it? They don't understand. Uh, even our own employees struggle with it from time to time. And I, I don't think they always understand our strategy because we get our money back. And it's just when they see these things pop up, they go like, well, why are we doing this when we can't do this? So, um, you know, but I think, you know, our, I'll give our credit to our board. You know, they're locally uh, based board members, they're community focused. And I think the thing here, and had some discussions with people, you know, when we think about doing our fair share, our fair share is more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Again, when we look at our size, when we look at what we do, I had a CEO tell me one day, it's like they will do their fair share, almost applying what called a match with these other small organizations. Are going to do and i mentioned well maybe your fair share is 100 times what they do and he didn't think that was a good idea but i think it is that fair share and, and again i understand people don't always appreciate it but i think our notion there again is helping the, the communities 
you know, in a very different sort of way. And, uh, you know, I think the people that are doing it are having to try to explain why we do those things. But I think those examples of where we're able to help spur, we helped lead a, a new master plan to the city when we moved here, and just significant, tangible benefits that we've seen that not only what we've done, what others have done, what we've done collaboratively with other people, it's pretty exciting to see um, what can happen. That is exciting. And when I think about the, I, th- I feel like it's an old adage now, but the idea that your zip code is more able to determine your health than your genetic code, you're elevating that zip code in a big way, Randy, and you and your team deserve a lot of kudos for what you're doing. Yeah, you, know, you look at that whole social determinants, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple interesting things, and I think this is where this uh, healthcare model discussion comes in. You know, we talk about the, you know, how we can't afford healthcare. You begin to look at things with healthy moms, healthy babies. Ohio particularly is, has very poor statistics relative to infant mortality. We've been somewhere between 45 and 49 for overall infant mortality. 49th for African-American babies, you know, babies dying in the first year of life. And that's all social condition. And so there's two thoughts there. One is making sure that we have the right sort of, you know, social infrastructure to help people, give them the tools to succeed in life. And what we find is the work we've done are people are highly motivated to change their lives. They just don't know how. They just don't have the tools to do it. And I think that's real clear. Even as we screen our own employees, it's just, I think for people that that can kind of navigate life, we just can't appreciate how others have not had the ability to be in a situation where they understand how to navigate life. The other thing that is really concerning, I think, concern us all, is these adverse childhood experiences. And you're starting to read more about that. That effect on children through their life as they grow and in adulthood, you know, that is just, the impact is just dramatic. And so there's a lot of attention starting to be focused on that. So, so all these things build to your health and well-being, and yet we spend these, you know, three trillion on the way to six trillion when they manifest themselves. But we don't go back to the kind of the root causes here in these social determinants. And so, you know, one would hope that the dialogue would shift to that, and we think healthcare should be reimbursed to begin to move. We built this American healthcare system. Let's move it back to some of these social issues. Let's let's reimburse them for that. Yeah, we'd have to make some changes maybe on some of the other things we reimburse. That's where it's going to get a little dicey. Yep. But the effect on people will be much more dramatic instead of spending all this money at the end of life. Let's back it up a little bit. And I think that's where this model discussion has to come in. And it really has to incorporate the social determinants of health and these adverse childhood effects. I think that's a great call out, Randy. And and it's turning that model upside down. I think that is helping you guys do what you're doing. So appreciate you sharing that. What would you say is one of the proudest things you've been able to accomplish with your team there? You know, we have a, a great team. And I think what's, uh, I think the thing we feel the best about is when I talk to people and I hear what we're doing, you know, and you kind of start to, you know, what we put in motion with the help great generosity of some donors, including a, a man, Russell Levi from Detroit, gave us really $35 million to invest in a lot of these programs. It's to see where our team has taken it. So, you know, it's one thing to have a broad concept, but what they've done relative to job creation, financial opportunity coaching, uh, helping people with, with the various social 
social determinants of life, working uh, with other uh, parts of the organization. Um, we're working with some folks right now to create housing, working, uh, going door to door to impact people's lives, um, helping them in a whole variety of fashions. That's the um, work that is harder work. It takes longer to do. But when you continue to hear what people are doing, and then every time you talk to them, there's something new. I think that's what we, we feel the best about. It's just that we're doing the type of things that we all want done in our communities. And I think what we set in motion uh, allows people whose hearts are in the right place then to take it to another level. And I think that's probably the thing. So I know it's probably a little hard to, for some folks to understand exactly what I'm talking about, but where we've taken it and where it's going to go. And so we're looking at some really interesting housing options for folks, job creation, when we see people that were homeless and literally in six months having a job, driving a car, living independently, and we have a lot of those examples, those are things we feel good about. Yeah, that's definitely something to feel really good about and to be proud about. What would you say, I mean, gosh, you guys are up to so many exciting projects and you're an integrated health system on the plan side, you got, you know, that run in. What, what would you say an exciting project or focus you're most excited about today is? I think the things that we're looking at right now, there's, there's probably two things that we're most excited about. One is um, the screening of social determinants. We, um, of course, started with hunger, started screening our patients. Now we're moving to our employees. And now we're starting to talk to others, a church that wants to screen all of their parishioners, a university that wants to screen their students and do interventions, uh, employers that want to be able, that we're starting to talk to employers about screening their employees and thinking about what that would mean to, you know, the health and well-being and their medical expenses. So I think that's really exciting. I think the other piece that is exciting is the ability to deliver more care at home. And, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to somewhere, you know, you read between 25 and 30% of healthcare can be delivered at home. And what's interesting is the technology exists today to do that. So it's a matter of connecting dots. I think the two kind of products or programs that are going to evolve over the next couple of years that we're going to see more about is this widespread screening of social determinants, especially in the employer space and the payer space. And then the other piece is um, the whole piece with uh, 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 healthy aging and taking more care of people at home. Fascinating work. Yeah, there's definitely some some great insights and, and projects that you guys have going on. And the home is the lowest cost setting. You know, and again, if you think about it, that's where I don't want to be a patient, uh, personally. Um, if I could be taken care of at home, that would be my preference. I oh, think that's true. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, that, absolutely. I feel the same way. And I know a lot of folks listening do too. Randy, wow. We're close to the end here. I wish we had more time. But what we have next is the lightning round, followed by a book you recommend to the listeners. You ready for that? You bet. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Oh, let's think. Well, you, you, this is a lightning round. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a, a doozy. Uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's a comp- outcomes is it's a comprehensive approach to clinical and social determinants. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not communicating enough. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Make sure you protect the innovators in your organization. A lot of people suck the life out of them if you let them. That's a really great one, Randy. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Strategic plan. Always be focused on where we're going and uh, focused on the, the why, not the what. And Randy, these next two are more on a personal note for the listeners to get to know you. What is your number one health habit? 
my stage in life, so I have become more of a vegetarian, thanks to my son, uh, than ever before. <laughs> and I, my goal is to walk 16,500 steps a day. And nice. uh, that's when I, uh, so I, I have, uh, I can't run anymore because of some ankle problems, but so I'm a, a robust walker and uh, that's what, and I still work out some other ways, but uh, yeah, so I, that's critically important. Good for you. And what is your number one success habit? I think my number one success habit is uh, trying to, you know, um, spend some time, uh, my wife and I getting away periodically. We're trying to do more of that yeah. and just kind of, and I'm not good at this, put the phone down, go for a walk and <laughs> just take more time just to sit and think as opposed to kind of run 24 hours a day. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What book would you recommend to the listeners, Randy? Well, there's two books I'd probably recommend today. Uh, okay. One uh, is a, a Jim Collins book, uh, Good to Great in the Social Sectors. That's still one of my all-time favorites. And uh, one that I just read lately, Palaces for the People. Outstanding book about uh, the importance of interventions we can make in people's lives. So I'd recommend both of those. And the, the second one was Palaces for the People? Palaces for the People, yes. Nice. Awesome. Some great recommendations there, Andy. Folks, for the recommendations that Randy made, links to these books, links to ProMedica Health System, as well as a transcript and short notes for today's interview, go to outcomesrocket.health. And in the search bar, type in Randy or type in ProMedica. You'll find it all there. Randy, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation with the organization and yourself. Yeah, sure. You know, I think, uh, I think there's a couple things that I would share. I think the, the, what, we're going, what we're seeing, and it's just uh, exciting every single day, you see more and more people talking about social determinants, calling out the need for social determinants. We see legislators thinking about social determinants. And I think the next couple of years are going to be very exciting to see where this goes. And I think it's going to set up a case for some national dialogue. The other piece, just because of necessity of cost, is what we're going to be able to do at home. And I think that's going to have a little bit of a mind shift for people. But I think when we think about technology, the ability to communicate with professionals kind of real time, I think we're going to see a whole new emphasis on both of those areas. And I think it's going to be exciting. I still, you know, think about the clinical needs that are are in a world of people who get up every day and take care of patients. I'm always impressed by the people who do that. You think about uh, healthcare in America, especially the safety net hospitals, those that primarily serve um, our underserved populations. Uh, each and every day, they take care of whoever walks in their door. People that many of us maybe would be uncomfortable having in our homes, and yet we take care of everyone. And those caregivers need a big shout out. I think I would, I would leave you with that. For more discussions, I think I would two areas that I think that, that I would point people to, the Root Cause Coalition, which is a national organization looking at social determinants. There's some great resources at the American Hospital Association on that as well. And then our ProMedica website, which is um, you know highlighting a lot of things about healthy aging. Outstanding, Randy. Appreciate those uh, resources and ways to get in touch. And again, just want to give you a big thank you for making the time to spend with us to share your insights. Really, really appreciate it. Perfect, Saul. Great to be with you and look forward to more discussions. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.